0: Hello and welcome to this episode of CFA Institute's Take 15 series. I am Dr. Michael McMillan, Director of Ethics and Professional Standards. Today we are joined by Richard Hokanson, founder of Hokanson & Company. Previously, Richard was the director of the Global Demographics Project at Credit Suisse First Boston. Prior to that, Richard was the chief economist at Donaldson, Lufkin, and Gin Red. Richard, on October 31st, the world's population reached 7 billion people.
1: The big, big concern, of course, is are, will there be enough resources? Will there be enough food to feed 7 billion? But I mean this issue about uh, you know too many people has consumed people uh, been a thought, part of the thought process since 210 A.D., when global population was 250 million or less than what's in the United States today, my p- basic view is the ultimate resource is human capital. Everything else is fungible. Um, and in that sense, I'm a Julian Simon cornucopian. Julian Simon basically said, you know, human capital is the ultimate resource, and what we need to focus on than is, you know, finding alternatives for other, other kinds of resources and so on.
0: So, in terms of human capital, what trends should we be focusing upon?
1: The two most important trends are urbanization, people moving together, collectively, and issues then also in terms of educational attainment. Uh, there was a very interesting uh, report that came out from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York which basically said if I have an increasing concentration of smart people, I get all kinds of productivity spillovers. In other words, the production function has increasing returns to scale. <coughs> so one of the things I focus on, especially for developing economies, is how fast are they urbanizing, but also how fast are people <coughs> you know, moving up the education ladder in terms of getting primary, secondary, and tertiary education as well.
0: So let's talk about developing countries. Um, In terms of education and people moving up the scale, um, what's happening in the BRIC countries, Brazil, Russia, India, and China, in terms of education?
1: For most of the BRIC countries, with the exception of India, uh, they have favorable trends in terms of both urbanization and educational attainment. India is radically different. In the sense that for every dollar spent on education in India, 85% of that dollar is spent at the university or college level. So the Indian labor force is, unlike anything else that you see in most other countries, is comprised of a relatively small cadre of very well educated, very well trained workers and a big pool of semi literate and illiterate workers. So, in my opinion, India develops, but they sh- The normal phase is you can move from agriculture to manufacturing to services. India, in my opinion, just skips manufacturing. We won't see a lot of manufactured consumer goods, for example, sold in America that will, say, made in India. But they develop with services, as we're seeing with software uh, uh, and so on. But I think one of the consequences of that is, unlike many other countries where you will have this massive emerging middle class, India then becomes a, a country of relatively, of relatively few haves and many have-nots. Uh, and they're have-nots not because they're oppressed or suppressed, that they don't know any different.
0: Richard, you just participated in CFA Institute's traveling conference in Africa. What demographic trends do you see in Africa that we as investors should focus upon?
1: The most important demographic trend is Africa will account for one out of every three new workers over the next decade and that percentage will continue to rise because Africa has the highest birth rates in the world. Um, their birth rates are falling but they're still the highest uh, in that sense so they're uh, you know, the, f- the fastest growing emerging countries in, in that sense. The other important aspect is for many countries Although the levels of urbanization are low, the pace of urbanization, the rate of increase of urbanization is very strong, 4 or 5% a year, for example, for, for Kenya. Um, <clears throat> and what we're also seeing for many countries, not all, is a big increase in educational attainment, a commitment to educating uh, the workforce. And the importance of that then is the issue then of, is Africa a place where people will produce and create its own middle class or will Africa then be an exporter of human capital? In other words, you know, Africans moving to um, the aging world of Europe, the Americas and so on. So the, you know, basically the, the research that I did in terms of the pace of urbanization educational attainment, it suggests that much, not all, but much of Africa will actually be a source of its own production its own growing middle class, and therefore I think a, a, something of great value to the investment community.
0: In your CFA Magazine interview entitled Race to Zero, you examine the relationship between population growth, labor force growth, GDP, and interest rates. Given your demographic analysis of Africa, how do you think that's going to affect GDP growth and interest rate growth in the continent of Africa?
1: You have to make a distinction here between the developed, the developing and the frontier world. Much of Africa is frontier, some are developing countries and so on. The basic issue in the developed world is that low labor force growth is for many countries, especially in Europe and increasingly now in Asia, you will have negative labor force growth which means that nominal interest rates, uh, rate of growth of earnings and so on, will be low. Uh, But we have an investment community, of course, that's looking for higher rates of return for their clients, whether they're pension funds or investing for individuals or whatever. So the basic issue then is for the developing and for for the frontier markets, their nominal growth rates will be much higher, their their labor force growth is much higher, um, their interest, their level of interest rates therefore will be higher and that would represent attractive opportunities then for investors who are caught in the world of you know, this race to zero.
0: So based upon your analysis then Africa or the frontier markets in Africa represent long-term growth opportunities am I correct in that?
1: Yes, that's absolutely correct, yeah. They would be we, much of our focus up till t- today has been on the growth economies or the developing economies in Asia, you know, especially China and so on. But I think <coughs> China runs out of workers in less than five years' time. Uh, their growth rates will slow dramatically. People are still looking for higher rates of return. And I think there will be an increased focus, increased interest in then looking into Africa.
0: Given your demographic analysis of the developing countries as well as frontier markets, what is your opinion upon what is happening in the United States? And what type of economic or investment environment can we expect in the United States over the next five to ten years?
1: The United States is the one beacon of hope or light in the developed world. We are are the the exception in the sense that the U.S. has a replacement level birth rate, 2.1 children per woman, and it is not, and I repeat, not because the U.S. imports women from high birth rate countries, because those women literally go through a reverse metal detector at the airport and adopt the American standard. It is true, what you read in the press, that Hispanics have a higher birth rate, but the reason it is true is that a higher percentage of Hispanics are married. So if I adjust for marital status, if I look at married Hispanic women versus married white non-Hispanic women, the birth rates are the same. That's very powerful. 2.1 is really powerful because it means that your you know, population pyramids will ultimately be regularly shaped. And then on top of that, of course, we get a million legal immigrants and roughly half a million illegal immigrants as well. So the, the US, I think, re- in terms of the developed world, the U.S., I think, represents the best opportunities for investment over the next five to ten years.
0: Given your uh, demographic outlook for the United States, can we expect this low inflation, low interest rate environment to, to continue? Or will that change?
1: It continues. I mean, inflation will surprise, that continues to surprise to the downside. I'm looking for inflation to average something between zero and one which means means low nominal growth. I mean, I'm I'm bullish on the real things. I'm bullish on productivity, real wages, profitability. Just very bearish, quote-unquote, on the whole outlook for inflation. I mean, what an aging planet does, and planet Earth is aging, is it crushes inflation. Rate of growth of demand is slowing, but the rate of growth of supply is accelerating. We're older, more productive, more efficient in that sense. So I think that, you know, the basic trend in the developed world including the United States is for you know low interest rates low nominal growth good real growth um, but uh, again you know the investment mantra is the global search for total return and in that co- that whole context there will be although the u.s is, is the most attractive developed country the frontier countries especially in Africa represent also at Represent excellent you know, investment opportunities for the long run.
0: Given your positive view on Africa, um, what do you feel, what do you think about the political instability there? Shouldn't we as investors be concerned about that?
1: That has been a valid concern. There was some very interesting work that was done by a consultant to the Department of Defense that basically said if I have an abundance of young men, I have, you know, all kinds of problems in terms of political instability, which is something that we've seen in many African countries in the past 10, 20 years. The important thing is that now begins to change. With birth rates falling, there will be more actually, well, you could say not quite the middle-aging of Africa, but much more growth in the number of people, say, between the ages of 35 and 44. So I think that, that will be an important issue then in terms of. <laughs> greater political stability in many African countries, uh, reinforcing their positive uh, demographic story.
0: Great. Thank you.
1: Copyright 2012 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.